Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And my name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And this is Andy Nelson, everybody, from Marvel Movie Minute and the Next Real Film Podcast. You can find me out there at Soda Creek Film. Perfect. Thanks again for joining us here on this uh, lovely Thursday. Thrilled to be here. Great. Uh, We are, again, talking about minute number 169. I even repeated it to myself right before saying this, and I forgot it. Minute number 169. And the minute's going to start out with uh, Superman flying off with Lois Lane uh, very beautifully. And the minute's going to end with Steppenwolf arriving at Star Labs, Star Labs rather, uh, via a boom tube, which we all very much enjoyed the sound of. Um, there you go. I'm glad was, you pointed uh, it out. This is <laughs> really favorite part of the minute. Honestly, was just the the sound at the end of this minute. How it ended was uh, incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was perfectly. It perfectly cuts to, so that we can fully enjoy that sound of him popping out of it. Yeah, gotta gotta love a good boom tube. Yeah, uh, so uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of shots in this minute. There's a lot of a lot of different uh, character interactions here. So um, where do you guys want to start with first? I guess we'll start with uh, where we left off with Clark Kent and Lois Lane. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, flying Fly- off, flying off into the uh, big blue yonder. Um, <laughs> I do want to say that the shot that we get of Wonder Woman in the third and the like um, trail that Superman is going in the sky um, mm-hmm. is great. Uh, I, I, I feel like that was like a storyboard like card and they were like, no, you that like put stars on that one. Cause that's, that's the shot. Um, it is really cool. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to roll, roll the tape back real quick so we can appreciate that as we're talking about it live. Um, it's also just like an excellent shot of Wonder Woman. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And the fact that they focused on Wonder Woman after Clark and Lois are flying away from everything, presumably because it is a love connection, and Wonder Woman and love is synonymous, so it makes total sense that like she is completely understanding what is happening right now. Um this is also the same person that literally saw in real time Lois breaking down at the sight of a dead Clark's body. Um, and we talked about it in Dawn of Justice and <laughs> the way that love surrounds Wonder Woman almost like empathically um, is so cool to see visually. Um, Gal really does that uh you know what? What do we call it, Mark? Um, no dialogue non, acting, non nonverbal acting. Nonverbal acting yeah. um, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. really strong in this moment, um, and I just really wanted to point that out. That there's a, there's a reason why we are looking at Wonder Woman watching Clark and Lois fly off and leave all of this behind, because that's what she wanted to do. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, I'm so glad you pointed it out because I would have pointed out, my, you know, if you hadn't that it, it, you know, with with Steve Trevor and everything she's gone through, uh, you know, trying to do something similar like she she's loved someone so dearly 
uh, only to lose them and to never truly get them in the way that that we that would be similar to this and it, it goes to what Andy was saying in in the previous minute and I believe the minute even before that in Tuesday's minute um as you, you know you never get someone back ever like it just doesn't yeah. happen and uh, with Steve Trevor we saw in Wonder Woman 1984 um you can't cheat death in that regard but here it is uh it has happened for Lois Lane and and Clark Kent and and you're right Nate um Batman wasn't the only one at at at, at the battle um in Gotham Harbor with Doomsday and uh you know Wonder Woman was also there and she experienced the loss that that Lois Lane has went through with Clark and um you know that's happened with her and Steve Trevor and so there's a lot that resonates with Wonder Woman here so it's important to have her here to be the one staring up into the sky just to to um see the the empirical evidence that uh you know this Kalo is back you know when she says he's back and but this, this whole nightmare sequence happens right here at heroes park but then to see the way it plays out here with lois lane in the end she feels like oh wait yeah no he he is back now um and so yes the power of love and uh you know wonder woman being the embodiment of that and um, only love can truly change the world everything we've talked about it's here in this shot with Wonder Woman looking to the sky. And like you said, Nate, just a beautiful shot of Gal Gadot in the Wonder Woman costume staring into the sky. They got the fans blowing through through the hair. Uh, it's just, you know, perfectly orchestrated shot. Uh, and it tells it tells the story uh, a thousand words in one in one frame. So yeah. honestly, the eyebrows, um, <laughs> it's that's do that's doing it for me. That's uh that is a look of concern that I only hope I look like that when I f- have those feelings and thoughts. Um, <laughs> that is like you and uh, I will will plan a day. We'll go get our eyebrows done. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And, and I'll I'll bring the photo of Gal Gadot and be like, "Do this, I want please. these eyebrows?" <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really excellent. Uh, I just think it's such a beautiful moment. Um, seeing. The, the imagery of a sky with a little dot going through it and, and you know, bird planer, no, it's Superman. That's always been such a deep, fond love for me. Um, yeah. Boss Logic did an amazing piece when they re-announced Henry Cavill is coming back as Superman. Um, uh, the, I don't know if you remember. I, have, I think it's one of my, I, I had it as one of my phone backgrounds for a long time. Um, oh, really? Yeah, but it was it, that same like idea of just the, the dot. I mean, like, this is a comic book panel trail. Um, the, it really is. Um, it's excellent. I, I love it every time I watch it. Um, it's just really powerful imagery. Um, like the, the, the breaking of the, the barrier, uh, the sound barrier and like just the line, like that's comic book panel. It would just have like that yeah. white yeah. arc, especially in, cutting through the cloud. After yeah. The, right at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's a beautiful moment, and it's absolutely that iconic kind of Superman look. It also that low angle shot is gorgeous because you've got again just speaking to the sun that we were talking about last time. Again, it's not up in the sky; it's still very low, but you're getting it lighting like the reflections of the buildings and especially the shield on on Wonder Woman's back. Like it's it just has some 
some beautiful moments without being overbearing and 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 too overpowering. It's just it's simple simplicity the way that that Snyder put this together. I really like it. Although I do always wonder with Superman flying that fast carrying Lois Lane, I <laughs> yeah. always go I always go to like you know uh, you know jet pilots and like the G force and everything. I'm like, is she has she fully passed out at this point? I mean, they just went into sonic freezing. boom after like yeah, right, a few seconds, like ten within ten seconds, they're already sonic boom across the sky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. If only if only Superman carried me through the sky, you know. I'm not <laughs> jealous or anything. Just I just want to know what it feels like. I just want to get swept <laughs> off my feet. I mean, come on. Yeah, come on. That's right. Is it too much for a guy to ask for? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the the Wonder Woman silhouette in, in that low angle shot you're talking about, Andy. I mean the the illumination of the shield, but still having that silhouette of Wonder Woman. Yeah. Like there's like that contrast, right? It's just it's just beautiful angle, and it 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 um. It mimics the sun by having the shield illuminated, right? It almost has yeah. like that kind of like it is the sun's reflection um, with then this arc going across it. So just beautiful. And then this, it, like her height matches the height of the building behind her. And then it all angles down into, yeah. the, into the bottom right corner. Like just beautiful angling of the cityscape of Metropolis. So. Um, yeah, quite beautiful. Um, we're gonna see. Uh, you know, there's there is a shot of Cyborg walking up behind Wonder Woman, um, but this is a shot that will continue um, later in the minute. Where she, Cyborg understands that Steppenwolf is about to show up at Star Labs, and they ask where the Mother Box is. So this is going to just kick off like what will be the next scene of this minute um but we will cut to some of our other justice league members that got tripped <laughs> up earlier in the minute and that is of course the flash and aquaman and uh boy uh is it strange to have a joke in these movies i'm joking of course but you know uh there's humor in this movie could you believe it yeah i do believe it and i see it and i laughed yeah i'm having a good time here um, there's always been jokes in, in these DC movies, despite the kind of criticism of these movies, but, um, yeah, that was like one of the main criticisms, but when you watch Man of Steel and Dawn of Justice, there is humor in the movie. So, um, not everything has to be like a James Gunn level of comedic timing. Um, but we do have a really just genuine funny moment between, Ezra Miller's Barry Allen and Jason Momoa's Aquaman here um, to kind of bring back, uh, you know, to to diffuse the tension a little bit, but also like just check back in on them, you know. So yeah. it's it's a great moment between the two characters. Well, and you know, speaking to the comedy element of it too, I I think that they're smartly not necessarily giving like all the kind of the comedy moments like this to characters who are either more serious characters or um, characters who are having a serious moment. And we don't need Batman to be doing anything funny at this particular point, but it makes sense for Barry, you know, and, and everything that had happened, like it's, it's, you have to, as a writer and then director and, 
you have to know how to like bring that out with the right characters in the yeah. right moments. And and it, it it would not have worked had it played with any of those other characters. But the fact that it's those two having gone through, I mean, we didn't really, we talked about kind of that whole trip and everything that happened uh, when Superman just kind of sidesteps him. We, but we didn't really talk about how it's kind of funny the way that it plays out when it actually happens, because really it's, it's showing us exactly how powerful Superman is by being able to just see what Barry's doing, sidestep him, push him into Aquaman who's coming from behind. It doesn't necessarily play as funny, but in a way, there is some comedy in the moment. Mm-hmm. Through this, though, what we're getting in this moment, that's kind of that the relief that we needed from that laugh that had been set up before. And it just, it's smartly crafted comedy. And I think that's, um, you know, I don't know, I, I guess it's, it isn't that James Gunn sort of comedy, but or Taika Waititi is perhaps the, the more egregious example. <laughs> um, but I think it's, it's smart comedy used in gentle ways when appropriate. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still slapstick, but what you were saying, it's what the comedy beat is, is the beat after the slapstick. And that if you think about a Three Stooges thing, what always hits was, you know, whatever funny noise was made after someone got bopped on the head. The bopping on the head wasn't funny because it was expected. Um, (laughs) These two characters falling into each other and, and just crashing into this stone stairway is uh is great it's expected because they're two very powerful but what funny beat we're looking for is their response to what just happened and it is a very human response that we get um which is like mo right like like when curly or larry would like accidentally hurt mo (laughs) Mm -hmm. in three stooges what makes it funnier is knowing that mo is so upset Yes. And planning something in retaliation. And then yeah. that being like, oh, that's funny. Because then we expect that we laugh at that anger after the slapstick. Yeah. What is What would be a better example of two, Cagney and Lacey, I guess, because it's two people. Um, so you do have straight man, funny man in this instance. Uh, and it is that right now. But what's cool about the Aquaman character that we got in this movie is that he like is supposed to be the straight man but it's not and you can see that in his age um in the way that he carries himself and the way that he just sees his place in this universe as you know the the king that doesn't want to be um heavy as the crown kind of thing and the youngness uh of him along with that jason momoa rock star mindset um andy you were saying you know it doesn't always work because the characters you know you can't always write that with any other characters. This is very high comedy because you understand where these characters came from in order to get to um, this version of Barry Allen, who's extremely younger and comedic relief, and this version of Aquaman, who uh, doesn't want to be Aquaman. The two of them in a scene that's supposed to be a slapstick comedy and very little dialogue, um, works extremely well on multiple levels. So when you said it's very high and smart comedy, it really is. Um, and I really want people to, to understand that uh, because having Jason Momoa not do a why I oughta 
in this moment <laughs> is like you're right dude it's like that is what he wants to do but you don't write that it's you have to do it for the other character for him to know that he's going why i ought and you go yeah you're right and you go you don't do the curly mo thing and go sorry you know oh ow whatever you do the whole diffuse the situation because we're basically strangers still yeah you know we just have superpowers um it really works well i think this is really a fun moment for these two characters that have comedic chops the writers also don't overwrite dialogue through yeah. i mean through really this entire scene like everything that we've been watching over the last few minutes like Lois Lane says so few words to Clark. Batman says so few words. Like there's not a lot of overwhelming, unnecessary dialogue. And Barry's line is exactly what Barry would say. But to have Aquaman do nothing but point, like that that plays right into their characters. And also just we don't need him to say anything. Just right. the look and the point is perfect. You can yeah. tell, like, he does have some some anger in him that he, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, you know, doesn't like to show or doesn't show really in general. Um, but you can tell that Aquaman is an angry guy, you know? Um, yeah. It's just fun that he exudes the anger in lovable ways. <laughs> uh, we, we talked about, I mean, uh, Barry Allen wants to he's he's inspired by superman he's like that's a hero i look up to i am a superhero now i got superhero abilities so uh i guess that makes me a hero and i want to join the team and i want to do the right thing and and he wants to be here he and so when he's fighting fighting he's trying to control superman bring him down um contain him he's trying like he's trying too much and he's running into Aquaman and he's making a mess. You know, Aquaman doesn't even want to be here. doesn't want to be King. He, he wants to protect the planet. Of course, he wants to protect the lesser man. Um, but he didn't agree with resurrecting Clark. And so everything has just been like, I don't know if you've been in that situation where you're just like, I just didn't even want to be here, but you know, (laughs) and now, and now everything's going wrong while I'm here. So, to be Aquaman, you didn't even get one punch in uh, on Superman, and then you try again, and then Barry Allen runs into you, and you're just like, I didn't even want to be here. Yeah. And so he's <laughs> upset on top of that, and it's and that's, that, that's what works so well with these two characters is Barry tried too hard, and Aquaman didn't get to try at all. And and so, he, you know, it's it's the, they're polar opposites in, in their... Uh, in their direction going into the fight. Right. That they end up here. So yeah. not everybody's on the same page. Yeah. Um, which was supposed to happen. I do want to say that I have been waiting to mention this for a long time. And one of my favorite visual things to see are these broken steps. Um, I mm. don't know what it is. I don't <laughs> know if it's like the cleanness of them. I don't. I just love that it looks like they're like crash pad boxes kind of thing so like it's just a (laughs) cut out of the stairs they look like they were hollow foam that they fell into um but thinking that like these characters were so forcefully thrown into this stone to make it break clean like that and just their like outlines kind of thing or just the indentation (laughs) it's great it really is 
it looks so good. I want to know who thought of breaking steps like that and it not just being rubble, you know? Um, yeah. There's clear tears to them. It's not like the structure sure. of the step was destroyed completely. It's like there's still functioning steps if you just take two two steps the other way and I can still walk up, you know? Um, it just looks so good. <laughs> it's perfectly uh believable foam right you're just like yeah that that's obviously uh it built that way and then when they when they have to redo the shot they're like all right go ahead and go ahead and lay in in the crater and yep. action and then they i think they do it with the uh, wonder woman uh in one of the behind the scenes shots where um she's thrown into the steps as well right and then they say action and gal kind of she's already in the crater but then just has to do like a a quick motion just to like embed herself into the into the crater that they've made and then they yeah. say cut and then it they fix it in yeah. post but um yeah so it's like they just build the they just build that little section right there and they have them maybe sit. it's the practical destruction that like i just really am enjoying and it just not being a cgi mess or anything like that um I don't yeah know. it feels like a movie there's something about it that just has that you know a <laughs> physical presence where it's yeah. like it looks like a movie set, but it looks good enough where I'm not questioning it too much. Right. Yeah, we we talked about that <laughs> with um, some of the some of the Gotham scenes, some of the Central City scenes, because they're filmed. This is all filmed in the Warner Brothers lot in the UK. There's a lot of sound stages that they used, and one of them was like the alley, right? That the uh, uh, Barry Allen being picked up by Bruce Wayne and and like the. Uh, the Mercedes concept car and it's like, Oh, this is just a back lot. Like this is just, yeah. it, I, I just feel like I'm at universal. Like they just filmed this. Um, and, and it is cause it is, but you don't, you don't get that in man of steel or Dawn of justice because they're filming in Chicago and like in actual city streets, like back when sin copy and the dark Knight rises, everything had to be like super on location, but this movie is like very much soundstage sets. And so it has like that soundstage look to it. That's kind of nostalgic in a way that's like, oh, it's nice to see foam instead of CGI. And I hate, I, I don't hate, but it's like, it's weird that we've come to that point where it's like, I'd rather see foam bricks than <laughs> CGI bricks. <laughs> well, they look better than like even a few minutes ago when like Superman headbutts uh, Wonder Woman into the ground mm. you know that the the cg kind of boom of her uh you know creating her own crater in that moment um yeah it works in the moment but it also does strike me as cg whereas this just feels like you know this is a movie you yeah know? yeah yeah and um I, w I was looking at uh uh barry allen's uh flash helmet earlier when i was uh taking notes um, kind of the same design as as Cap's. Uh, he has like the skull cap, right? In uh, yeah. is yep. it Winter Soldier, right? He has a skull cap, kind of. Yeah, even in uh, in um, uh, First Avenger. I mean, it's yeah. uh, it's pretty comparable. It almost looks exactly the same. So yeah, nice. It's just different color. Yeah, <laughs> I do like it a lot. You can see, especially in in in, in this minute, those plates, the separation of plates, as we come the copyright term uh but that 
you could see it's all held together by that uh, suspension cable wiring. And so it looks yeah. uh, kind of believable in the sense of like, oh, yeah, that suit is supposed to be all kind of rickety and kit bashed. And you see it here kind of in shambles, which is a nice touch. I do like it. Yeah, the costume has a has a great look, and it definitely definitely feels beaten up. But you know, just in the scope of like what they're creating with this character, you know, I, I think um, because I mean we we've seen so little of him up to this point in the franchise that it's it's kind of fun to um, to to start understanding like through seeing his kind of beat up costume and everything, we're starting to understand like who this character is and how he's um, how he's been getting by in this world, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think um, so he, I guess you could count Dawn of justice then. Well, if you count cameos, Barry Allen's Ezra Miller's Barry Allen has been in, four movies suicide squad dawn of justice Zack snyder's justice league and, and the flash right like i'm not missing yeah. anything else um so four films but if it's just his actual appearance and he's just been in two films but he's already had he's got like five costumes he's got uh this one he's got uh, i guess like a pillow version that we saw if you've seen the flash movie he's like in the metropolis he's in the black zero event the first time he's trying to use his abilities and he's got like pillows and pads that cover his body um the flash suit andy muschietti uh and then there's the tim uh it's michael keaton's bat suit flash and then there's the dark flash so he's got like five suits i mean they got like five action figures that they can make for <laughs> and he's only been in like two movies so uh yeah he's already got like five different versions of suits in, crazy. in two movies so uh yeah he's got uh, all different types of versions um i've always been uh, oh, oh no wait he's got a, he's got a six one he's the nightmare one where he goes back oh, in yeah. time the time travel one he's got six suits that's crazy those marketing people, any chance to make more toys, they'll they'll take it. I That's mean, it. I'll, I'll I'll take all those action figures. To be honest with you. Oh <laughs> uh, boy, I bet each one has a Funko Pop already. Probably. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we do get a transition into um, the antagonist of this movie showing back up mm. because the said mother box was just activated. And we did get a warning in previous weeks that once that mother box would get turned on, Steppenwolf would know exactly where it is and show up and grab it. Um, so no surprise there. It happened. Uh, I think a lot of viewers probably didn't think about it because they were too distracted by the resurrection of Superman. Um, so now this is a an amazing reminder that there are still stakes and that you know, life moves on. You know, it's not just the end of the end of the story. Once Superman comes back, it's not the end of the day. He didn't save the day. Um, he flew off and left everybody. So yeah, yet again, they uh, <laughs> conveniently about forgot about it. And yeah. they said, "Oh damn, where did I put that mother box?" <laughs> yeah, um, we do see Silas Stone um, very uh, hurriedly 
run off with the mother box as it's covered in his jacket, um, as if that's going to do anything. Um, but again, he's a scientist, and you know, of course, you'd probably want to throw something on it to touch some sort of alien cube that. Yeah, you got to dissipate the energy. Can't be touching it. <laughs> um, so he knows uh, that this powerful thing is a uh, item of interest. Um, I think it's really cool that Silas Stone does take the initiative to do something here. Um, I think it's really cool to think about uh, as a lineage thing as well. Um, we see an act of heroism from this uh, previously incredibly selfish character that we've uh, come to, to know. Um, and yet he's obviously on a page that none of us are on because he had the, uh, the, the wherewithal to, to do something about this mother box that was just left sitting in the middle of someplace. What, yeah, just, on a uh, car, some, right? some, yeah. some team member's car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, Silas Stone, knowing the full potential of what this box is and can do. Um, it only makes complete perfect sense that he would do this selfless act now in this moment. Um, it's, it's kind of like poetry, you know, why didn't he think it's, 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 it's a cause and effect thing, right? So like he saw what this mother box did a particular to his son and then seeing that there's an alien monster that is trying to find it. So, this is obviously some sort of powerful thing. Um, why didn't he think about that before when he was toying around with it and his son was dying? Beyond me, I don't know. Hey, Silas Stone, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but I think it's really cool <laughs> that we get a change of heart in this character here. I don't know if I'd call it a change of heart. We get a new, new view into the, uh, the mindset of this character. I and, I, th um, I think it again. It's the atonement, right? I mean, he's uh, repenting in some way for what he's done to Victor, right? I mean, he saved his life with this mother box. Uh, he's been uh, engrossed in his work, obsessed over this mother box and um, all the alien, the Zeno technology that they study here at Star Labs. Um, in this scene. Silas Stone bringing the mother box into Star Labs to to set something up once once more. I mean, we, we we've seen um, we, we've seen uh, him. Uh, I believe Doctor Doctor Choi was showing him the the heat laser and how it heats up things to an incredible degree uh, uh, of Kelvin, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And um, you know now he seems to be preparing that laser. Of course, we know because we've seen the movie, but you know, not spoil anything yet. But he's setting up this laser again for some for some reason. Um, but he's brought the mother box in. When we think about Silas Stone, what he's done to bring Victor back to life, and then tell Victor, "Oh, you have all this great power now." And, you know, what you can do with it, the possibilities are endless, yada, yada, yada. Um, and, and to a kid who just wanted his dad to show up at a football game and be there with him and his mother, you know, it's like, thanks, dad, but I didn't want this. Now he's trying to help 
them in some way. You know, the, you know he saw them at Star Labs. He he stepped to the side. He let the Justice League do their thing. Um, but now he's bringing the the mother box back in. Um, is it atonement? Is is he repenting in some way? Is he try, like you said, change of heart? But is he is he trying to change in any way, or is he still himself? He just maybe we don't understand him to some degree. Um, Andy, what are your There's... thoughts on Silas? <laughs> I mean, there's definitely an element where you could see him still as kind of the selfish scientist trying to preserve it for himself, and uh, which is, is really what he's been doing all along. But at the same time, I, I can't help but, but read into that, that there is this, this change in heart. And having seen what everybody was able to do, I think that there is this sense of realization that just like not that he knows all of this but just like the 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 amazons and the atlanteans and everybody has been trying to do what they could to protect this box because they there is this sense of the evil that will happen when it comes to pass even going back to not necessarily his lineage but those first humans who buried it um king arthur all those yeah all those thousands of years ago exactly uh it it is the the idea that um there is this side to him that i think sees the the uh, the need to help humanity in whatever way he can and acknowledges mm-hmm. something bad is coming i don't know if it's necessarily like a personal atonement that he's going for here by by doing all of this but i do think that there's a recognition with the character that uh, that he is in a position to potentially st- try to stop what is about to happen. Yeah. And, and so does so. Um, his son uh, exudes those same traits uh, earlier in this film, right after the, um, the uh, Gotham Tunnel Project. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Cyborg just flying off after the end of that battle and going and just grabbing the mother box and taking it back to the justice league um didn't tell anybody didn't it wasn't a second thought it was just like oh thing that you're after i gotta go get and i gotta you know protect it so very uh very echoey of father son um heroic tactics i think um that was my thought process with the whole uh lineage thing um you know something obviously rubbed off on cyborg victor uh, in that moment was it heroics from his father no because i don't think he ever saw that in his life but deep down these people want to be good and do good and protect humanity um and it's also he's a scientist you know you can't uh that that andy said it and you're saying it now again you said scientists and this father wanting to protect the child I think it echoes Jor-El, right? I mean, Jor-El does the same exact thing for Kal-El and Man of Steel in the beginning, right? Like, you have this scientist. You can call him a crazy scientist if you want to go that route. But, you know, they're, they understand the bigger picture. And so they have this technology, this ability. Um, you know, they they themselves are not powerful enough to protect the planet. But the technology that they can manipulate um, can and so the, Jor-El and, and Silas Stone are doing uh, very similar ha- having very similar fates uh, in this in this film franchise and they, they will do this um, as a sacrifice of their own life but to, to protect their child 
and the and the world itself and humanity, as you said, Nate. You know, Jor-El was trying to um, preserve the humanity of Kryptonians, something that they just they thought logically uh, should be eliminated, which is why they had the genetic chambers and you know using the codex that and all that and no natural birthing anymore. Um, and Jor-El wanted to 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 bring that back, and so with with Kal-el, he was doing so, and so. Um, yeah, their 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 fates here are almost at a parallel. Um, so yeah, it's, it's you know that's that's another thing as well. Um, and so yeah, he'll he'll get the he'll bring the mother box into into Star Labs, and then uh, everyone's favorite Power Rangers villain shows up at the end. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I think a lot of people like uh, what's her name, Scorpion Scorpio. Who are you comparing him to? What do you mean? What do you mean? What do I mean? Oh, everyone's favorite Power Ranger villain? Yeah. Steppenwolf? He's kind of like a Goldar, right? Or Zed? Or like a Zed, yeah. He's like a Zed. Yeah. <laughs> but then I think I there's. Didn't, I didn't know if you were assuming Rita Repugna was. Uh, the, no, the every, I, I, some people like Rita, but uh, I think there's another one. It's like, there's like a scorpion lady. A lot of people like her. Yeah, I think I had an action figure. Uh, anyway, they, they reference her. I, I believe she's a reference. Ah, that's I'm gonna. Have to this <laughs> it's a common writer reference. <laughs> I get, I'll get lost in it. Uh, but yes, uh, if people really like Power Rangers, just just at me what your favorite Power Ranger villain is. I'm sure everyone yeah, right. has everyone has one. We'll have a discussion. <laughs> um, but yeah, this minute does end with a like I said, a beautiful uh, end warp boom tube noise that we get. Um, one of the boom tube one of the the one of the things that I look forward to most about this movie and just apocalyptic technology just being introduced is boom tubes and so much thought and work goes into that as just a thing you know um, so the idea that they went ahead and do things like visually showing like the actual uh, pillar of a, of a portal. And the massive noise that it is, uh, that is a boom tube, hence the name. Um, it's highly appreciated and is not lost on me. Um, I love it. I really do love it. Even at the end of the movie, when we see the other boom tube, it's it's just incredible. Um, <laughs> I was so happy see, that we get noises like this. See, we we <laughs> don't lose interest in the boom tubes, but so I guess the Marvel equivalent is is now like the Doctor Strange portal, right? Like to the portals, yeah, yeah, right. Which has its own wonderful sounds, the little sparks and everything. Yeah, but it's interesting because I mean, even uh, I each of their different universes starts introducing all their own little things because even just like the way that they um, jump through space, like large volumes of space, but now we've got like the little hexagonal grid that pops up in the sky that they pop through and everything. Like they all kind of come up with their own unique ways of doing things that um, I find so interesting and enjoyable how everybody interprets all of this sort of travel through vast amounts of time and space sorts of, um, you know, depictions from, you know, Star Wars through all of this stuff and mm-hmm. even before Star Wars. It's just, they're always so fun. And I don't know, the, this boom tube is is just kind of a fun, a fun way to kind of 
you know, kind of do essentially the same thing, but in this universe. I, I really yeah. enjoy yeah. the way that it plays. And, and, and you know, all joking aside, I, I think, you know, if we're talking about like, oh, it's nice to see foam bricks again, like, it's kind of nice to see a big bad villain teleport into a scene kind of like a Power Rangers villain and have like kind of like that nostalgic of, uh, of watching TV shows like that where a villain teleports into a, uh, a, a fight scene or something. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's nice to go back to that era where people could just teleport into, into fight scenes. So it, it's nice to have it. Uh, of course, they, uh, Infinity War. The way that they use portals in that one. I mean, the uh, Endgame, of course, has a magnificent portals moment. Um, but I'll never forget, like that first fight in in New York uh, with with the Maw yeah. and yeah. and the using of the portals. Like I, I just remember that being like, this is awesome. This is like, yeah, just a great. I think Infinity War is definitely one of the, one of the most entertaining Marvel movies. Just like over and over again like rewatching like what sure. a great movie <laughs> yeah starts right out of the gate too so yeah oh my god something i yeah something else that's really fun i that's cinematically fun here that i think ties into the shifting of the tone into our confrontation with steppenwolf is you've got that shot behind um wonder woman and cyborg as they're kind of still looking up at the sky and then it's like this whip pan that we get, which is like such a surprising, like uh, it's like out of nowhere. It's like, oh, I wasn't expecting that at all. But it's it's a fun like cinematic tool to kind of like eh, we're shifting, you know, shifting into a different gear now as as the villain's about to arrive. And it gives us this this move that feels like unusual for the moment that we've just been having. But again, it's shifting our tone and and everything that's going on into you know we're getting ready for the end of this chapter essentially and it i just think it it works it's it's a fun way for snyder to kind of construct that shift for us yeah if if i remember correctly in the 2017 version there's just that shot like we don't see steppenwolf at all in this ending scene it's just it whips over the boom tube is actually like reversing like it's it's teleporting away and they go Oh no, he took it. The third one that we were supposed to protect. And they just say, I guess he took it when we yeah. weren't paying attention. That's right. Um, right. And there's also no comedic bit to end this one, right? So we have Aquaman and Barry Allen, right? The pointing. Um, if I remember correctly, Lois, Clark, they fly off. Wonder Woman looking up at the sky, boom tube. Mother box is gone. Uh, and then they say, Oh no, he took it. And then I'm not sure what happens after that. I, I, I'm pretty sure. I think Aquaman just throws like, he throws something at the bat cave, right? He's, he's like throwing something against the wall. He's angry. He's like, Oh, like I'm so upset. And they're just like, Oh, we're in shambles as a team. We don't know what we're doing. Um, and it's like, Oh, that's weird. There's no comedic bit in that version, but there's one in this version. That's how ironic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, but yeah. And so Steppenwolf is here. We'll see what he's up to in, in tomorrow's minute, but any other notes on this one before we wrap up for today? Not for me. No. Cool. Yeah. No, it was, I mean, it was a great minute. 
Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of characters. A lot of characters had their uh, moments in, in today's minute. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up for today. If you've enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving us a five-star review. It really does help the show and helps new listeners discover the show as well. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter at DCEU Minute. And if you'd like bonus content, we have a Patreon for just $3 with tons of other podcasts to listen to. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you here next time on DC Cinematic Minute.